Hey, welcome to that badass podcast. I'm Kaylee, your realistic nutritionist, helping you find the balance between green smoothies and red wine. And I'm Ashley, the creator of Royally Fit, that went from obsessive exercising and calorie counting to living a free, unrestrictive, and badass life. We are here to build a tribe of babe-supporting babes so you can thrive in your fitness, health, and mental wealth. So if you like to keep it real, raw, and controversial, welcome. Let's get started. Boom! Nailed that shit! (laughs) After like 18 tries. All right, everyone, welcome back to That Badass Podcast. I am exceptionally excited today because we're talking about sex. Let's talk about sex. This is my jam, and we're actually talking with a feminine embodiment and sex coach for women. Her name is Olivia. And she actually has her own podcast called Soul in the Raw that she's had out for almost two years now. So, but specifically, even more specific than that, today she's going to share with us how to have drunk, sober sex. Mm -hmm. So welcome. Thank you. Oh my God. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. You guys remind me a lot of Lindsay and Krista from Almost 30. I don't know if anyone's told you that. Do you know that podcast? I, I actually just learned about them. I haven't listened yeah. to one yet, but I I was like checking out like who was doing really well on the podcast, uh, yeah. like, like the ratings and stuff. Yeah. And it came up a couple times. Yeah. You guys have the very, a very similar Lindsay Krista vibe. I love them. I went to one of their events here. They were on our podcast. They're so much fun. So I'm excited. Let's dive in. Yay! Okay, so before we get into like the the having uh, drunk sober sex, we're actually going to just have a couple like Q and A fire questions for you, so our, our mm-hmm. listeners can get to know you before we like get down and dirty. Literally, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, literally. <laughs> okay, so first question is, where are you from? I am from Minneapolis, Minnesota, but my husband is military, so now we are living in Texas. Oh, okay. Fun. Yeah. Um. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee, a hundred percent. I could drink coffee all day long. I don't even like water. Get water out of here. Just bring in all the coffee. <laughs> How do you take your coffee? I'm curious. I do like a splash of unsweetened almond milk, but if I'm being like dangerous and I want to go to Starbucks and get something that's really bad for me, like an iced caramel macchiato with half the syrup with almond milk is my preference. Yeah. Um, okay. Now follow up question to wanting to drink coffee all day and spraying water. Don't you think being hydrated helps with your lubrication? <laughs> lubrication reduces friction. A thousand percent. Oh my God. Of course. Yes. Nutrition is a huge part of lubrication and arousal and getting everything ready to go. So yeah, it's not good for me, um, <laughs> but I am getting better. I go in seasons where it's like, or on vacation, it'll be like coffee all day and then alcohol all night. And then it's like, <laughs> now we have to detox it and flush it out with extra water. And that I'm right now I'm in a season of water. So I have, you know, all of the good water. Girl. Well, I saw your husband just came home, right? So now you're having yeah. to eat staying hydrated. <laughs> totally. Yeah. When he's gone, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Okay. Awesome. Okay. Next question. Run or a walk? Oh, ew. Running. I will never run unless I'm being chased. Um, and definitely walking would be my, my thing of choice. Yeah. Amazing. Do you have a favorite quote? (sighs) A favorite quote. I personally, so Kim Anami, I don't know if you've ever heard of Kim Anami. She's like an incredible sex educator coach extraordinaire. She coined the term well-fucked women. And that's like one of her courses. And so I kind of added my own spin of like, I believe well-fucked women will change the world. Yes. Oh, I like that. I do like that. Um, From there, what TV show are you binging right now? The Hills. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, new or old? (laughs) 
the old ones. They're on Amazon Prime now. And so I'm rewatching all the first seasons of The Hills. And then if my husband is home, we'll watch like SEAL Team or Six or one of those military action-y type shows. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book, Pussy, A Reclamation. Oh. Oh my God. You need to read it. It's like the Bible of this work. You have to read it. I just like the name. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this, this is your question. Um, favorite sex position. Ooh, favorite sex position. Mm, I feel like there's so many. <laughs> That's a good question. I personally like reverse cowgirl. Yeah. It's a nice one. Good choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just did that. You got to switch it up, you know, and it's always about trying new things. Like if we're always in missionary, like let's switch it up, try new things. Or if you yeah. only like missionary, then try changing the atmosphere. Can you do it in the kitchen? Can you do it on the counter? Can you do it on the couch? Like switch it up, be variety. You know, that's how you keep it yeah. spicy. Absolutely. Like I don't come off reverse cowboy, but I enjoy doing it. Like it's just like keeping it spicy and making it look more interesting sometimes. Totally. Totally. More, yeah. more for my husband than me. Um, <laughs> okay. so that, was, that was awesome. So now before we get into kind of like your topic and your tips, can you just first explain what having drunk sex sober is? Yeah, absolutely. So drunk sex sober to me is all about the zero inhibitions. Like there's zero stress. When you're drunk, you're not in your head. You're not caring about your cellulite or your roles or any, how you look in something, how you sound like you're vocal, you're loud. It's like expressive. And you're wearing your cute little lingerie and you don't even care that you're bloated from the queso from dinner. You're like walking out. You're like, look at me, I'm here to play. And you dominate and not with a sense of dom versus sub. I mean, you can also be submissive, but it's this dominating sexual energy of I'm connected. I'm in my body. I'm here to play. Like I ask for what I want. I say when I don't like something, I'm very much expressive in that state. And I speak my truth and I just want more women. Not that I don't like tequila because I do. And I love drunk sex, but it was like, how can we have more of this where we don't need the alcohol because the alcohol is not actually helping us sexually. It's just helping with the no inhibitions, getting us out of our head and back into our body. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. Yes. So um, before, before we get into like deeper into that, what actually got you into this area of work? Cause it's a very unique area that it's kind of like taboo. Some would still consider. Totally. Absolutely. So I actually grew up a pastor's kid, funny enough. Um, I was very like innocent and angelic and I followed all the rules and I got the straight A's and, um, you know, I saved myself. I wasn't married at the time when I first had sex, but I did have sex with my husband, like right before we got married. And I was just always, I felt so much shame around my body. Sex was bad. Sex is either going to lead to pregnancy, you know, death and STD. Like, you know, it's all these things of, it's all bad, bad, bad fear mongering around it. And so growing up, I was like shutting it down. I didn't know my own body. I didn't know anything about the female anatomy. Like I got my period. I thought I was pooping from the front in all honesty. Um, It was so, so bad. Um, I thought I was pooping from the front. I had no idea. I didn't know there was different things happening what the hell is our clitoris? Like it feels good, but it's not supposed to feel good. And that's wrong. So I had all of this fucked up mindset around it, but then you get married and you're supposed to fuck like a bunny. Right. You're supposed to be this porn star. And you're like, but I don't even know about my body. I don't know what's happening. And so I shut it off. I was just like, you know what? Like I'll have sex for my husband. 
I'll have sex drunk, but having sober sex, I was like, eh, I don't really need it. I can go without it. He's gone a lot. And I had convinced myself that I didn't want it. And so for me, I shut that part of me off. And then as I was in the business world, you know, I got into the online space, what, 2014 it was. So five years ago. And I started to see that my relationship was so easily in my sex life pushed to the back burner. And I was so focused on hustling, hustling, hustling in business, getting the clients, being creative, all of this. But something felt like it was missing. It didn't matter how much money I made, how successful I was, how you know good of a relationship we had in air quotes, because I do believe sex is a huge part of it, but I had convinced myself it wasn't, that then I started seeing this missing link is here and I can't put my finger on it. So I started to dive into like the book Pussy. I started to follow these really sexual women and sensual women. And I was just drawn to them for some reason. There was something different about them. And I started to see, okay, this is my missing link. This is for me is the part that I haven't activated yet. I haven't unlocked within myself yet. I had so much shame around it. So I was like, what if I just start to go on my own exploration? So I was actually a business coach, um, life coach kind of connoisseur there, worked with my own coach on all of this on the back end. And then as I started to unlock and activate my own sexuality and brought that not only into my relationship, but into my business and into me personally as a woman, I started to see the world that that opened up. And I was like, this is to me, I think we all have our own, like, this is the missing link, whether it's astrology or human design or all these different things. But to me, sexuality was like, this is the missing link. And it turns everything on and it activates every area of your life. And I was like, why the fuck is nobody talking about this besides these like super educated who have been doing it for 20, 30 years, women. I was like, where's my space in this? And it's for the women who are terrified of maybe the women who have been doing this 20, 30 years or rolling around naked on Instagram. I love those women. I admire them. I look up to them, but it feels so out of touch for so many women because they're like, I could never possibly be as far along as her. I could never possibly be as expressive as her. So I found myself as kind of almost this bridge between women who are so out of their sexuality and so out of their bodies and so out of touch with it. And then the women who have been doing this for years and years and years, I was like, how can I just pull them, you know, pull it out of them a little bit and then they can, you know, work their way up to rolling around naked on Instagram and being more expressive, but making it super accessible and tangible for like the everyday woman who's rewriting years and years and years of shame. So for me, that's where it kind of transpired into organically was I have to talk about it. It's like a, an obligation and a responsibility on my part to liberate more women in this way. Oh, I think that's amazing. I, I love that because you can teach so much better when you've been through it yourself. Oh my God. And it's, it's from my own experience. So like when people are sharing with me, I can meet them with empathy and compassion of like, I get it. Like I've stood where you stand and I promise you there's a way out. There's a way on the other side of this, like keep going, keep trusting yourself here versus I read this book one time and now I'm just going to teach it to you. That's such a different, more surface level than like, I've literally been where you are and we're going to get through this together. So I have a question before we continue. As ah. you started making this transition or in this journey of finding yourself sexually, how was your husband with all of it? He is amazing. We've been together for um, 12 years, married eight, and he is just 
the best. Like he was very open to all of it. He was so respectful and supportive of me when I was like, I don't really like sex, whatever. Um, and I always like took care of him. Don't get me wrong. He was, he did just fine, but he was very open to me of like the disconnection I had with my body, the body image issues. I had the shame. I felt the disconnection that I felt. He was always like, what do you need from me? Like, how can I support you in this? And when I hired a coach, when we didn't necessarily, you know, have the money, I was like, I need to do this. Like, this is something that my body is like calling me to. And I know it's going to affect us together. Can you please support me in this? And he was like, yeah, let's make it happen. Let's make it work. And I started the work on my own personally, but then I brought him into it in different ways. And I started to even just in my embodiment and in my own you know, how I showed up with him, he could tell from the energetic differences versus, hey, masculine, feminine energy. Hey, like, you know, spontaneous versus responsive desire, like all these different things. It was more just in how I was showing up with him. And that naturally opened up conversation around it. And now we talk about it all the time. And now he gets on Facebook Live with me and talks about it and all of the things. So having a supportive spouse helped for sure. But it's not like you have to necessarily have that. You can work on your own sexuality and he's going to mirror that and hopefully open up over time. And if he doesn't, or if she doesn't, you know, then you kind of have to make the call if you're wanting to be with someone who's not going to be supportive of your growth. Yeah. Cause you can be having sex with a partner, but you're not necessarily having sex with your totally. partner. Right? And then, so yeah. that's kind of like you were saying before, like your husband was well taken care of, let's yeah. say in like quotations, yep. but like, it doesn't mean that you guys were meeting each other sexually and actually having really good sex. And so I think that's yeah. it's your work that took your relationship to the next level. Well, yeah, think about it. I mean, we all can tell like energy doesn't lie. So we can tell like if your partner's not there with you in the bedroom, you know, are you getting fucked? Yes. But are you actually like having this intimate connected, you know, experience that we transcend and we're like in this orgasmic state together? Like that's very different than, oh, here we are, we're fucking and he finished and I'm just going to roll over and go to bed and like cry myself to sleep. Like he knows or she knows. And so it's like, one of you has to have the conversation. One of you has to take the first step because you're both thinking it. You can't get around that. It's yeah. just who's going to have the balls or the ovaries to actually have the conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. I love it. Um, so like we did our own kind of studies around this and we found in the study, this one was actually done by directs, ironically mm. enough, that 61% or 61% of women and 80% of men say that their sex is pretty good. In your own experience, like that's, that's not good enough for, as far as I'm concerned, like that needs to be like 90 to hundred percent, right? Oh, amen. Uh, for both sexes. Um, but in your experience working with people, how, like, how would you, how many people would you say are actually enjoying their sex life? Very, very, very few. Absolutely. I don't know a certain percentage, but it's rare. And what's funny is that a lot of people will lie. A lot of people will say like, Oh, but I'm having really, really good sex. But you know, can we like explore this? And then when we dive into it and we start to pull it apart, it's like, but are you really though? Or are you just trying? Cause it's almost like we have to say that it's like, if, especially if I go to a sex coach or I go to my girlfriends, I have to pretend because like, I don't want to be the weird one. That's not having good sex or that feels disconnected. It's like, I have to fake it. And that's, and then we fake orgasms and it's not helping anybody. So yeah, it's very rare that you find someone who's like, oh, it's exceptional. It's exceptional. And I do believe even, even if it's exceptional, we, I have room for growth in my sex life. We all do. It's like, what are the erotic possibilities we haven't explored yet? Like, let's go there and continue to grow here together. Yeah, oh. absolutely. 
So what? So oh. what? So I, it's okay. I think you're doing enough. My question. I'll take it over from you. I, I really know because I'm like, you missed a point. What's happening? No, I just. <laughs> What would you say are people's biggest holdup around this area? Like why, like why, I know you touched on your own experience and like, you know, like the shame, the way you grew up, the, the, you know, like the shame around your body, but also your sexuality. What would you say is the biggest hang up with for people in relationships or outside of relationships with mm. sexuality and kind of embodying that feminine, that like fixing inside of them? Oh my God. Absolutely. Great question. It's the shame. It's the stories, right? Like we, cause especially as we get older, we start to learn, you're reading the cosmos, you're watching porn, you're, you know, you're like learning things or you're listening to sex educators. And so you're like, okay, I, I know the parts now I'm getting a better, ha- I mean, for some of us, I'm getting a better handle on how it all works. But if we can't get out of our head and like the shame and the stories and the poor education we had growing up around like sex just as bad and it's going to get you pregnant and you're going to die or you know all these different things that are these fears that are like rolling around in our brain you're never going to actually be able to have like the connected deep next level sex because your mind is part of it you have to be able to surrender your mind and surrender your thoughts, drop into your body and full surrender in order to even have the orgasm. Mm -hmm. So I truly believe like everything I've seen, like that's where I start with every single client ever is like, what is your story around sex? What are your beliefs around sex? What was your education growing up? How was it modeled for you? What did you learn in school? What, you know, was your religious upbringing? For me, it was religion that fucked me up in that sense. So it's like all of these things, we try to override them, but there's like 95% of what we do and how we show up is subconscious. So what are these thoughts underneath that are like the little gremlins that are actually blocking you from even taking then the education and the strategy of, oh, here's how to do that and being able to fully surrender in that experience and have that sex. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's actually very yeah. similar to a course that we teach on for women to break up with dieting. It's not about it. it's not about the diet. It's all about the stories. It's all about your relationship with food. Like it's I feel like you can you can you can apply this to so many things that you feel like you're not fully living your best with. Well, and it's so easy for something that was said when you're younger to trigger you for years to come. And you have no idea that that's what triggered you. It could be someone saying you, they could even, it could be something of like, you don't have a nice looking vagina. If someone tells you that when you're like first getting intimate with someone, like that's something that's going to stick with you. Or women have all these fears because when they're young, you know, boys will make jokes. They're like, Ooh, smelly vagina. And then all of a sudden it's like, what if I have that? And we're just so afraid of our own bodies. Like we can't even fathom getting past that point to actually have a real orgasm. Because when you're in your head thinking, oh, my stomach roll is showing, or like, did I put on enough deodorant? It's really hard to relax and actually enjoy that moment. Oh my God, a hundred thousand percent. And it's like, it's like you said, it's triggering even when we're not aware of it. So it's like, if we even pause to start to see what are the thoughts going through my mind? Like for me, body image was a huge one, right? Like all of the years of my body wasn't enough and it's too this or it's not enough that. And then to have sex in your most vulnerable naked position and your husband, you know, puts your legs up and starts rubbing all over your body. And you're like, oh my God, like, what are you looking at right now? And it's all moving. Like you, it's not going to be enjoyable for anybody, you know, and he feels that. So we have to go back and be like, what are these things that are actually um, creating then this like subpar sex of like, Oh, well we pen, you know, there was penetration involved and he came and now here I am just laying here. I think that's the big thing is girls are like, well, we, at least we had sex Mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, but did you enjoy Like, did you get off? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. We're such giving people that women often forget. They're like, well, I just want to please my man and I want to be a good partner and I want to make sure that he's feeling his best. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's got to be a mutually beneficial energy exchange. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Amen. And we need to stop feeling like we're inconveniencing them because nine times out of 10, your partner want like you enjoying sex makes him enjoy sex or her, right? Like yeah. whatever the situation is there. And they're not inconvenienced. It's just that our anatomy, we have the same parts, right? Laid out differently. It works differently. So for a man, what is it like eight to 12 minutes in order to come? And for women, it's like 20 to 40 minutes. And we're just forgetting that you're not broken because it's not like the porn where you hopped on and you were wet and you fucked and you both came at the same time. It just, we're different humans wired differently. So we just have to have these conversations and be open to giving ourselves grace of this is going to look different. And just because he already came, what about me? Okay, now he's going to take care of you. And it can be this beautiful experience where he's not actually inconvenienced. He's turned on by your turn on. So we have to stop apologizing for it takes me longer. Cool. So it does for the rest of us too, you know? (laughs) Like that's part of it. Yeah, it's kind of like checking your ego at the door, especially for men. Because a lot of men do think that like, I'm just going to jackrabbit her and she's going to have this orgasm. And it's like, no, no, it actually does take me longer. Maybe I also want a vibrator or we need more foreplay. Like a woman doesn't turn on the same switch the way that a man can just stick it in and they're good to go. Yeah, totally. I want to throw something in there too, is that I feel like a lot of women, especially after they've been in a relationship for a while, they're like, no, I'm not as horny as I used to be. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, like for me and just like listening to other couples, I feel like that comes from them not communicating what they want. Cause let's be real. If you're not having orgasms, why in the hell would you be motivated to have sex? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Other than doing what you think is like, I don't know, like a couple duty, let's say. Totally. Yeah. But like, of course, like if you don't use it or use it, yeah, you lose it. So it's like, if you're not horny, then it is your responsibility to go and tell your partner what you like and what will get you off so that you're actually wanting to do it more. Right. Yeah. So I would say that's you're a hundred percent right. But I think there's a lot of fear and of how do you even start that conversation. So let's get into that. If they want to have their drunk, sober sex, yeah. what are the first steps, especially for those that are timid and shy? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my first things I like to say with this is that we're all adults here, right? Like it, truthfully, if you can't go to your partner with something like my heart, it hurts because you should be able to talk to them about anything. Right. And I get that it's scary and it's vulnerable. And so that's how I start the conversation. I'm like, listen, this makes me want to shit my pants. I'm not super excited about this. Or maybe you're two tequilas in. So you're like, okay, like loosen up a little bit, go into the conversation and just say all of the things that you do love. Like, here's all the things I'm loving, or, you know, here's, I love this type of sex that we have, or it really turns me on when you do this, or, Hey, what if we try this that I heard them talking about, or what I'm reading this book, or let's get this, you know, different positions type book and let's go into it. Like why not explore it together and just be super honest and vulnerable nothing's broken, nothing's wrong. I always remind my partner, I'm not going anywhere. Like I just want to have the open lines of communication of what do you want? What's on your sex bucket list? Here's what's on mine. What is it that we haven't tried yet? Like what's the best sex that we've ever had? What were we doing? Let's go and try that again. And just starting to open it up so that both of you can feel heard and having consent conversations, even in long-term relationships, because that's the thing you're so right, Ashley, as far as like, oh, 
I just like, this is my wifely duty to go get my man off, but it's not like have the conversation of what is it that you want and what is it that he wants or that she wants and making sure that that's open of like, if you want something or if you need something from me, please come to me and tell me like, I love you. It's an open space. Like there's no judgment here. And opening it up to just continue to be able to have that kind of ping pong or as you watch something or as you read something, bringing it to the table. And even if you're having sex, it's not like, oh my God, stop that right now necessarily, but more so like, oh, go slower or go a little faster or, oh, I really like that. Or show him through your body, through your emotion, like men need us to be amplified in order for their nervous system to even be able to feel it. It's like, can you show him and can you express to him what you're even enjoying versus just assuming or like kind of moving his hand a little bit, like talk him through it. He wants to please you. So, so what does reinforcement, like? right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Because oh I think totally. a lot of people would be like, well, you didn't get me off the last four days. So you have to go in with that like compassion and like being vulnerable first to make them feel a little bit more safe. And then I I like that. It goes both ways. I'm sorry, but like if I'm sitting there and having sex with Matt and he has like absolutely, like if he was just laying there, there's no facial expressions, (laughs) there's no sounds coming out of him. I'm like, well, I probably sucked. Yeah. it's the more it's reciprocated on both ends the more we're gonna be like yeah I dominated that one like it was more like a high five them after you're like that was a good session when you have really good sex high fiving happens sometimes <laughs> in my world yeah and it's like it's so it's you know I think it would be ignorant to think that like if you think like how you want to be responded to in the bedroom is probably how they want to be responded to as 100%. well. So like, and the 100%. same thing, like how many, how many women are listening to this right now that have asked their partner, is there anything else that you would want me to try or do mm-hmm. or anything like that? It's the same thing for them. They want us yeah. to give direction. They want us mm-hmm. to tell like, and if they get offended by that, then that's their deal. That doesn't mean that you're not happy with your sex life. That means that they have some of their own shit that they need to work through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it might, it might sting for a second. Like if Joe came to me and he's like, Hey, listen, like, I love it when you do this, this like one time, for example, I have an example. Um, I, yeah. So I love to be like spanked, like give it to me like a little kinky thrown in there. And he's actually the kinky blueprint. So something I teach is the erotic blueprints that I got certified for, um, or in through Jaya and she created them. They're like the love languages of sex, basically. So cool. he's kinky. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I like to be spanked. I like it, like leave a mark, give it to me. He, on the other hand, is like, please don't ever hit me. Like not into it. And so he told me that. And at first my ego was like, oh, like super embarrassed. Oh my God, I fucked up. Like I should have asked. Okay, now I feel weird. Now I feel off. But instead, yes, it bruised for a second. But then I was like, okay, cool. Receiving that. What do you want? Like what do, if you're kinky, what do you want to try? And he was able to, we were able to have an open conversation and open forum forum of here's hard nose for me. Here's his hard nose. Here's where we meet in the middle of like, we're open to it. Let's try it out. And so often like we just think, Oh, I'm just not going to say anything at all that's not serving anyone. But then at the same time, it's like, yes, it might sting for a second, but we're all fucking adults and we'll get over it. Mm-hmm. That's just part of it. And it goes, like you said, perfectly, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. if you were to give like more tips, cause I know you said the one thing that really hold a lot of women up is their self-esteem when it comes to their body. Mm-hmm. So if you want a woman to have drunk, sober sex, how would you suggest she goes about working through some of those things? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things is how are you with your own body? You know what I mean? It's like for so long, I expected my husband to be all over me and for me to be able to lose kind of myself in that sexual moment with him. But when I was with myself, it was like, okay, cover myself up, like wear as many layers as possible. You don't look at myself when I walk past the mirror, cry when I'm trying something on in the dressing room. And so it was like, well, then how am I expected to be this like erotic sex goddess with him if I can't even be that way with myself? I had never masturbated until a year and a half ago. Crazy world. Yes. I know. If they can all yeah. see Ashley's face right now. Yeah. Because I did, I grew up believing that will send you straight to hell. Do not touch yeah. yourself. It is for your husband only. And so when I started doing this work and healing so much of my shame, that's when I was like, okay, I need to go in and explore myself and learn my likes and dislikes. Cause how do I expect him to know if I don't know? And it opened up a whole world for me. But that's a huge piece is like, okay, having drunk sex sober, how are you with yourself? Do you feel like, it, can you turn on your erotic sex kitten by yourself through masturbation, through just dance, like erotic dance around your kitchen, through looking at yourself naked in the mirror, for being with your own body, touching your own skin, feeling your own body? That's really important because if you want to turn it on for him, it's damn near impossible if you can't even turn it on for you. And then when you know your body, you're able to, more communication, guide him and show him what your path to have having a climactic orgasm looks like. And so it's really important to how are you with you and then let that lead you into how you are with him. Yeah. I love that because there are so many women that I've met that are like, no, I don't masturbate. No, I don't have a vibrator. And, but they almost get like, well, my husband does a good enough job. And I'm like, yes. that's amazing that your husband, that's, that you can get to those orgasms. That's incredible. But what if he's at work and you're in the mood? Or he's gone or whatever. Or you just want sometimes to do you it. just want to do it by yourself. Sometimes I don't want to go through the whole hassle of actually having sex. And I'm like, I got five minutes. I'm going to go by myself to the bedroom. <laughs> yes. And I think that that's important too. And it doesn't mean that you think your man isn't satisfying you. I think so many women get like defensive of like, no, my man does a good enough job. And it's like, that. it's not about your man when it comes to masturbation. It's about you and having time with yourself and mm. getting to know you and pleasure and joy on your own. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's funny. Like I have incredible sex with my husband and I still masturbate frequently. Yes. We, we, still, we actually did a uh, podcast on it, but kind of sharing how it was very different for me growing up than it was for you. So I was able to come into this, no, no pun intended, like before, <laughs> before I even realized what sexuality was. So like when I was growing up, I was masturbating before I even knew what sex was. And my parents would celebrate that and just be like, that's great, Ashley, but go do that upstairs. You know, you yep. do that in privacy and there was never any shame around That's it. Awesome. And I feel like you're right. Like that had such a massive impact on me becoming into like my sexual being. And like, it actually gave me confidence when I got older and I knew what I was doing and how pleasurable that was that like, it actually built my confidence up to know exactly what I needed and exactly what I wanted. And like, it's, I, I really, I give a lot of credit to my parents for doing that because I know it's not comfortable necessarily. And Rowan, we just, for the first time with my daughter last week, She's starting to touch herself now. And, and Matt and I were like, she was actually doing it in bed with us. We're like, eh, a little bit inappropriate. We're like, we're like, why don't you just go and do it in your room, honey? And she's like, oh, and it's like, and I want her to harness that and to know those things because I think it has such 
a profound impact on your sexuality, right? And so there's never any shame around that because let's be real, we're going to, we're going to have pieces of shame that come up in other parts, whether it has to do with our body or the thing, like you're saying, a man says to you one time and it's like, it like screws up your head. And so it's like, but if you can, if you can mold this early on in our daughters and our sons, right? Is like never feel shame around that. It's going to have a huge impact on their sexual um, liberation and like their satisfaction as they get older. Oh my God. That's, I was actually kind of in the the middle of the two of you. I just often was told by many people of your reputation will follow you everywhere. Don't Mm. be a slut. It was slut shaming, slut shaming, slut shaming. And I was like, but if I'm in control and I'm doing it because I want to do it and nobody's getting hurt, why is that a negative thing? I didn't really necessarily think that at the time, but as I've gotten older and that's one thing I think about when I have kids is like, I don't want them to have shame. There's like, as long as you're treating your partner with respect and you both are having consensual joy, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it's getting better obviously as our generations get older and stuff, but yeah, like there was definitely, I grew up in a small town and there was a lot of slut shaming that happened. And it's taken me years wow. to like get to that point where I'm like, I don't really care what people think. Mind you, I've been with my boyfriend for six years, so it's not exactly a thing anymore. But in my early twenties, it yeah. weighed heavily on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's such an important piece that we pass on. I mean, I don't have children yet, um, but it really is. That is like, we masturbate in the womb. Like we, our bodies really? naturally- Oh yeah. Yep. There's so many studies of like babies in the womb that are actually masturbating because it's our bodies are designed and wired for pleasure. Like in every cell of our being, we can have orgasms through any part of our body, right? Everything is orgasmic, but we turn it off, whether it's for me through religion you through um, your family and just the things that were said about your reputation, you had this beautiful liberating experience, but I know that there's shame in certain pieces. I mean, we always say like, you're going to fuck your kids up in some way. It's just, they're like karmic lessons, unfortunately, but it's like this beautiful experience. If we can just really harness and own the fact that we're all designed for pleasure, like what's the clitoris there for besides pleasure, jack shit. So whoever you think created you, God, universe, you know, the big bang, whatever you think that was just a mistake that like somehow we all ended up with this extra piece of skin that just feels really fucking good when you stimulate it. Like that's so crazy to me. It's not a mistake. Like we're all uniquely and perfectly created and made by design for pleasure. So why not like instill that in our children and have them grow up? And yes, like there's certain places you do it, certain places you don't, different things of that nature, but why not let them do what their bodies are designed to do? Well, and I honestly think the more open communication that you have, like you always know those really strict parents with kids and then the kid rebels, whether it's with drinking or partying or whatever. And I feel like if you have this conversation and open communication, like your kid is far less likely to do something really risky or out of character because they don't, they're not testing the waters because the water is just normal to them. Yeah. You know, like just like they say in Europe, like kids, this, the binge drinking is not nearly as extreme because they've been introduced to alcohol their whole lives, like wine and stuff. So I, I feel it's similar to like sex. And then like you have that conversation, it's not such a big deal. And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, well, I have to rebel and I have to do this. And yeah, because it feels good. Because it feels good. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. I think it's so freaking badass that you went from that as like growing up with a religious family like that and feeling so much shame to like doing what you're doing now. Like that is such an incredible story and like actually liberating women through this, right? And coaching through this. It's so cool. 
Well, and like I told you in the beginning, like we, like if you and your husband ever end up like doing what you're wanting to do with coaching couples as well, like it's so needed. And that's just it where I wish that we were, I mean, I'm so happy you guys talk about it on your podcast. Like I'm not the only one, right? Like we all need to be liberating each other because my liberation, my sexual awakening ignites it for someone else. And it's like this ripple effect. And like I said, well-fucked women change the world. Our sexual energy is our creation energy. If we're all well-fucked and lit up and turned on, then what kind of energy do we show up to play with and what we're creating and how we're coaching and what we're teaching and how we're supporting and impacting the world? Like it matters. This piece cannot continue to be a shameful, taboo, you know, separate piece. Like it has to be infused into everything that we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because there was actually one point in my relationship where I didn't want to talk about it because I felt like I was like almost like shoving it in people's faces. And but I've yeah. always loved to talk about sex. And then I felt like I could sense that there was a lot of women that weren't satisfied. And then I felt if I brought it up, I would feel like I was almost like bragging. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I had to have the shift and I was like, you know what? Like I should be proud of my yeah. sex life and I, and I should feel proud that I want to talk about masturbating and sex. And like, I feel like the fact that there is even any energy exchange that where I should feel guilty for that means that it's actually really needed, yeah. right? That this conversation is actually really need to happen because you're, you're hitting a pain point with people. Well, if they're that uncomfortable, there's a reason why they're that uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And like, well, well, I actually have some extra um, stats that like I, I got on this. Yeah. And it's like I, I realized that like frequency different differs from like couple to couple. Um, but so the average um, between 18 to 29, they're obviously having sex the most mm-hmm. with an average of 112 sex uh, sessions per year or twice a week. And then 30 to 39 year olds have sex 86 times per year, which equates to 1.6 times a week. I'm trying to figure out that 1.6, like, do they like half? Well, no, because if you see her, it's a good one to do and then, Sometimes you don't get to finish. Yeah. And then, um, and then those that are age 40 to 49 um, have, uh, yeah, have sex 69 times per year. So, which I thought was really funny because then later when I was doing a little bit of research, it also mm-hmm. said that couples have sex the most. And I think that mm-hmm. there's a misconception that like people that are in long-term relationships have sex the least, but I do think that they can have unsatisfying sex if these things aren't talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. So the frequency might be decent. But well, it is quantity, quality over quantity as well. Mm-hmm. Like in your forties, like you are going to probably be having more intense, pleasurable sex than you were when you were 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your body, you, yeah. you know, and like, I, sp- I personally think like, that's why my husband and I talk about sex so openly on social media to, I mean, him not on his own, but when I like drag him into my lives and stuff. <laughs> We talk about it because like, I truly believe that more sex and better sex is what's, you know, destiny for all of us. The longer you're with someone, you know, the more, you know, each other's bodies you've explored, you've played, you've been curious, you've, you know, tried different things. You've had been through hell and back together. You're trusting and you feel safe with each other and all of these pieces that are so key in like a really high quality sex life. Again, not that quickies and one night stands are bad. I mean, do it all. Like I'm here for it, but it is, it's a sexual energy exchange with another person. And so when you're with this long-term committed partner, you can surrender because you feel so safe. And and, well, most of the time, I hope you feel safe. And if you don't, that's something we definitely need to talk about. But like creating that safety and that trust together to just be able to fully be yourselves and fully be expressed and completely let go is so powerful. But if we don't have these conversations, then we do. We follow the stats and we're like, oh, my body gets dry and crusty the older I get. And it doesn't have to be that way. There's a million ways 
to intercept that because again, your body was designed for pleasure. It knows how to come. It knows how to reach orgasm. It knows how to, you know, fully be surrendered, but there's pieces that we're missing on the journey there that we have to make sure are in place. And the older you get, it just means maybe we need some different supplements or we need a little different routine or some different things, but you can still be wet as ever when you're 60. I mean, look at Kim and Nami's like 45 and she's, I mean, one of the most well-fucked women I've ever met in my life. That's amazing. I need to check this, yeah. this woman. Yeah, that was just going to be your new girl crush. Oh you would love her. Love her. Um, so I was actually going through your Insta stories and then I was going through your highlights and stuff as well with some of your testimonials. And like the amount of women that were like, oh my God, Olivia, I had like three orgasms last night and they just keep coming. Like, yes. it's, like it's mind blowing like what you're doing for women because I really do think that it is women empowerment and yes. it really builds a lot of confidence. And I feel like we're spending way too much time caring about the way we look and less time caring about the way we feel. Right. Mm, and it's like, sad. and like, think about like that woman didn't change in her looks, nope. but she felt like I could tell from like the testimonials and the stuff that you had in those highlights, like how liberated those women felt. And it's just, it's amazing that you're doing this work. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it, it's incredible. I mean, I, again, like you said, I don't always know how I got here because it's just like always organic of like, where am I feeling called? Where am I feeling led? What's being channeled through me? Cause none of this is my own. Like it's all so much bigger and so much greater than me. And I'm honored to be a vessel for it, you know? And one of my friends called me like the angelic pastor's kid turned sex kitten. And she was like, it's just so crazy to see this transformation. Even if you looked like all the way back on my social media, when I first got started, but it's an unfolding and it's an unraveling and it's an awakening and it's a process. It's so whatever, wherever you are on your journey, if you're back where I was, or if you're farther along or you're way farther ahead, like it's continuing to unfold. So give yourself permission, anyone that's listening to explore this. What does being an erotic sex goddess mean for me? Not what does it mean for Olivia or Ashley or Kaylee? What does it mean for me? And allow your process to unfold. Be curious about it. Explore it. It's not something to figure out or something where we have to solve a problem. It's more, how can I explore the possibilities here? If there's limitless potential available to me, what am I open to receive? What am I ready to play with? And I even had a client who just experienced her first energetic orgasm from not even being touched. She was actually, she's like, I went into sex. I wasn't really in the mood, but I was like, I want to play around with like just pleasuring my king. Like how can I worship him, devour him, ravish him, like just completely take care of him. So she's giving him a blowjob and she's doing all these things. And she literally was like, I kid you not, Olivia. She was like, he didn't even touch me. And like, I left my body of like into like orgasmic bliss of like, what is happening? She was like, my whole body lit up. I touched him and he was like, your hands were hot. Like you could feel the energy. And they had this deep, deep, deep connection that they had never experienced before. So we get so caught up in like missionary fucking, here's what it looks like, but there's so much available to us. Why not explore it all? Yeah, absolutely. So how do people work with you? Is it one-on-one? Is it group? How long does it take? Like how does, how does this process unravel for your clients? Yeah. So I do a lot of one-on-one work. It's kind of always behind the scenes. Like that's typically open, um, open enrollment. I do different group programs. I in sex and sexuality, Personally, I prefer groups. Um, I love one-on-one work and I'll always have it available because some people just aren't ready to be in a group setting and be that vulnerable yet. But what I've actually found with most of my clients is they open up in a different way in a group, especially if they start there and move into one-on-one because the sacred sisterhood of it, like seeing 
oh my God, this other woman has never had an orgasm or this other woman feels like her vagina is stinky. Like, oh my God, I'm not broken. I'm not crazy. Or, you know, our deepest, darkest sexual fantasies that we're so ashamed of that we realize all these other women have. And it's like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And we are able to open up and someone else's healing or someone else's awakening is able to inspire us. And we're able to kind of find it within ourselves of like, oh shit, that's me. Like this makes so much sense. And if I wasn't ready to share it yet, but this other woman shared it, now I just got permission to share my story and explore it for myself. So I do like six week programs. I have uh, masterminds and such where I just continue to work with people ongoing until they feel complete. Um, they're like, oh, I've gotten everything I need. I'm ready to graduate, ready to move on. I've, I've reached my next level of transformation. Um, I typically start with them for like 12 weeks in a mastermind and then they can move on from there. They can go month to month from that point. And then, like I said, one-on-one's always there. Um, I don't do long-term contracts because everyone's different. I have some women that work with me for a year. I have some women that are like, three months, I got exactly what I needed. One woman's like, all I can afford is a month. Okay, then let's see how far we can get. Like this, this journey is so personal, personal and unique that I try to make it work for anyone and make it as accessible as possible because this work is needed and I can't do it on my own. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I just had a question about, I know we're wrapping up soon, but if yeah. you could give like three tips for a couple that wants to have spicier sex tonight, you know, they don't want to go like from zero to 60, but they want to ease into it. Like what would be your three tips that they could, they could implement today? Ooh, I like this. Okay. So create intimacy outside of the bedroom. So, so often we just try to like, let's just fuck and let's get it over with like right before we go to bed. Like why not create intimacy and closeness and like desire each other and arousal throughout the day, throughout the evening. Like what did you do in the beginning? Send him a little dirty text or send him a sexy photo when he's at work or, you know, leave a little trail at the door that kind of leads into the bedroom or cook dinner for him naked, whatever you want to do. Like, I don't care. The world is endless. Like do whatever you want. Um, but create intimacy, create desire, create arousal before we go straight into the act of sex. The second thing would be, the second thing would be try something new, like get out of the same, you know, exact way that we always have sex in the same exact position in the same exact location. And at the same exact time when friends is, you know, on the credits and it's rolling, then that's when we go at it. Like try something new, have the conversation of like, can we try something different tonight? Or what, what is your sexual fantasy or what is your biggest turn on and, and how can we explore that together? Even on that, I would just wanted to add in like, of so many people, it's notorious that are like vacation sex, hotel sex, being in that. So when you're saying you something different, like even if it was like book a weekend away and a completely different room and a completely Amen. different atmosphere, because like it is, everybody's like, oh, that's that sex I had on vacation. You know, and oh my God, I love that. It's so true. Um, and the third thing would be for the like boss babes of sorts, the female entrepreneurs that are listening, or even if you're a busy mom or you work and you're just like, are not able to get yourself there to have spicier sex tonight, do something to have a transition period between work and play. And so, so often we just are like, okay, I'm going to answer these final few messages or I'm going to like put the, you know, putting the kids bed. My husband's trying to like touch me and I'm like, get that, get your hands off of me. Like I'm not in the mood, like have some sort of 10, 20, 30 minutes of like goddess time. You could call it feminine energy time of like taking a bath or putting something sexy on or rubbing your body down with oils or doing a dance or doing some yoga or something 
to tell your body and your brain, we're going from work mode to play mode and to connection mode. And you'll find that you're much more present and you'll actually find that your desire and your arousal starts building even before you bring it to him. And then when you go into that experience with your partner, you're able to then take it into, okay, how can we explore this together with you fully present? I like that. Oh, those are awesome tips. One thing that I would also say, and this was something that was very important for me and that Justin actually, that's my partner helped me with is I was so self-conscious and so in my head that he's like, you have to talk, stop taking it so seriously. Yes. We have a session and it's not perfect. That's fine. Or like, you know what, if something gets a little bit awkward, like let's just laugh it off rather than be like, Oh, like I'm embarrassed because my body made this sound. That's been helpful with me. He's like, who cares if something awkward happens? Like you quit. It's a, yes. call it a quip. It's a queef. Queef. I call it a queef. Yes. Thank but, you. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, Are you? That would be a good one. Women have a lot of shame around yeah. queef, even though it's literally just air. Yes. So that, like, just being able to laugh it off, have a high five and like not just take it so seriously. That's been very helpful for me is yeah. just to relax and laugh it off if something awkward happens. You and the high fives. I'm so here for it. I'm just like picturing you <laughs> time, like, yeah, getting it done. But that's just it. And like I farted the other night. Like that's not ever, it's not like, oh, this is super sexy, but it's like, fuck, like what just happened? Yeah. But my body naturally had something happen. And so yeah. we just continued, we had a laugh about it. You know, we didn't high five, but next time we will. And then you just keep going. It's like we do. We have to just start approaching this again without it being something to figure out or a problem to solve. But instead, just like playing together. Like what kind of freedom would you find there if you just play? Have fun. Yeah. I actually, oh, you guys, I have a question. I was just going to say, do they have fart porn? (laughs) (laughs) Well, leading into my question was going to be, do you recommend couples watching porn together? Mm, That's a really juicy question. Um, Yes and no. I think that yes. Oh my God, why not? Like explore it together, explore it separately. I mean, my husband's gone most of the time. So like, of course we explore that um, and we've watched it separately and together. But I think the biggest thing is that don't become reliant on it or don't like, I think that that and vibrators, they're beautiful, like extra tools we can bring in. But if we become reliant on, I need this to get off, that becomes dangerous. And then it's like never enough. And then we're fucking it all up and there's the whole shame spiral. So yeah, explore porn, have fun, watch fun, sexy things. We watched the show easy the other night. There was like this couple having a threesome with like their friend and like that was turning me on. I was like, oh shit, I didn't even know I was into this, but okay. And it's just like exploring it together. But at the same time too, then you as the, I mean, for me as the female, I don't know about you guys, but then I sometimes get into this idea that, oh, I can't perform like her. So then if it shuts you down and makes you second guess yourself, maybe do your own work first in your own healing so that you can watch it with an, an intent of, okay, being turned on and like experiencing this together and having this closeness and even getting some ideas, but not into a sense of like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do it like her. So now I just shut down completely. So I think think that's a great tip because for some women, it would completely trigger them and send them in a negative spiral where some other women will feel empowered and sexy. So I guess that would be based on the individual. Well, and and based on your erotic blueprint, I mean, if you're a sexual blueprint and fucking turns you on and just the idea of it, like porn can be super good for you. But if you're someone who is maybe more of, well, even energetic, it could be kinky. It could be, I mean, it can be all of them. Never mind. I was just going to say, like, if you're a certain blueprint, you might be turned off by that, but I'm going to actually say that that's more your shame and your stories around it and your own healing that's needed versus any type of erotic blueprint can definitely be turned on by certain types of porn. But if you're more of like an energetic, 
blueprint and you like the energy of it and you've got this like tease and anticipation and like the yearning watching like heavy intense jack rabbiting porn is probably going to be a short circuit for you and turn you off because you're like ah too much at once ew but if you're watching this like build up of this couple together in porn then you're going to be here for it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I feel like we could talk to you all day. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yes. Yeah. This is yeah. great. Um, anything else you can think of that the listeners are going to want to know? Okay. Well, two more questions. The okay. first one is how people can find you and then what makes you feel badass? What makes me feel badass? Okay. Uh, where can people find me? OliviaSleen.com. Super easy. Everything is hubbed there. Social medias are Olivia Sleen. All of it's Olivia Sleen. Hi, hi. That's me. Um, what makes me feel badass? Hmm being well fucked. Honestly, I know it's like cliche and it's like what, I mean, the whole point of this episode, but truly like if you are experiencing pleasure all day, every day, right. And not even just sexual pleasure, but pleasure in all of the ways, if you and your partner are connected or you're connected with yourself sexually, or, you know, you're being taken care of and you're having these orgasms, like you show up in a different light and you do show up in this like empowered badass. I know my body and I'm free in my body. Like that is what I want every single woman ever to experience. Boom. Mm -hmm. I just got to say like, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I know like clearly Ashley loves talking about sex and I always liked talking about it in a safe space with my friends, but I was very hesitant on the podcast to start talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I realized over time that that was again, me having shame, me having fear of people that like family and friends that would hear the podcast and then project on me. So I really like that we've been talking about it more and that you've come on here and you're just like, no, no, no. Like we should be proud and we deserve orgasms and pleasure. And there's no shame behind that. And so I think there's probably a lot of people listening that felt the same way as me, that it's, it is scary and it's taboo and you don't want to perceive a certain way, but to just like step into it, own it, know that you're a goddess, that you deserve to have incredible orgasms either by yourself or with your partner. Mm -hmm. And that if things aren't perfect, there's things that can be done. It doesn't mean that you don't have chemistry, that your relationship's doomed. But it takes work, just like everything else. We go to the gym to work our muscles. We read and go to school to work our brains. Now we have to learn how to work our vaginas a little bit better. Yes, great. It's so true. Thank you. I mean, thank you. Yes, uh, pussy power. Thank you guys for having me and giving me a platform to share on and for being so open about it. You guys asked fun questions. It was super conversational. And yeah, let's do a part two. I feel like there's a million more places. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we'll just say that like, you sent us so many good topics. It was hard to choose. So I feel like we could definitely have you back on for some more conversations. Absolutely. So let's leave it as a teaser for like the erotic blueprints. We'll talk about those next time. Yay. Okay. Because that's what I was actually wanting to learn more about. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Let's do it. Well, thank you so much, Olivia, for coming and sharing your story with us. And, you know, hopefully a lot of our listeners are going to feel more liberated and ready to take down something in the bedroom later today. So we appreciate it. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. know. Love to hear about your orgasms. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And don't forget to to make today badass. Woo! Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You're you so guys are super fun. You guys have a good energy. Um, I just have a question. Obviously, um, I was thinking about asking this during, but I thought I would wait till after. How did your family react to you <laughs> making this shift? Oh, my family. Um, well, my grandma I had to delete her from Facebook because she would start commenting on my shit. And then I had to delete it. And then my mom was like, no. So I just deleted my grandma. She still doesn't know what I do. She leaves. I'm a life coach. And so when I see her in person, like I'm not allowed to talk about it. And it's like, hush, hush. 
So it's really uncomfortable at every family gathering, which luckily I don't see them very often. But it was kind of, it's the topic that's not talked about and everyone's on edge about it and everyone's weird about it. And they, like my mom tries to ask about my business, but she's like, la la la, like, just tell me the very like surface level. I don't want to go into it. And, um, it sucks. And there's a lot of like people from my parents' church growing up, especially cause I talk a lot about energy and spirituality and that stuff too. Cause I do believe that and sexuality goes hand in hand and they've told me I'm going to hell. The devil's going to come get me at night, like all these different things. So it's been an interesting transition, but the more healing I do, the more I'm like, I can't be quiet about it because we need to be talking about it. And I know that my healing and my liberation, hopefully over time will ripple effect into theirs as well. A hundred percent, or at least just stop that routine for the next generation that comes. Right. So yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that must have taken a lot of guts to do. Like I have, as you know, a very different experience. It was never a holdback for me. So like, I can't imagine having that within you, but then having all this judgment from your family and wondering how to move into that. So like, wow. Well, that's why I was so curious because my family's not nearly as strict, but again, they, they weren't ever condescending. My mom was more trying to protect me from the way other people are and what they would think. And so that's what really got me thinking of this, the stress that I feel talking about sex on the podcast. I'm like, what's my mom will think and my aunt and this? So I could only imagine what it was like for you. So, I mean, I'm so impressed that you just went in for it anyways. Yeah. Lots of coaching. I mean, I've had coaches, healers, therapy, like I've had it all. <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot of work to get to this point. And there's still things that I'm very hesitant or things that I'm like, Oh, I want to post this. But then I'm like, Ooh, but is that, do I need to word that differently? Or, mm-hmm. you know, even saying the word fuck or the word pussy, like these different things, it's yeah. been interesting, but again, like it has to happen. So if I'm not going to do it, how do I expect other people to do it? I have to go first. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yay. Well, thank you thank so you. much for your time. And, uh, you know, we can't wait for this episode to come out, but we also hope that it's mutually beneficial. So please, please yeah. like, if you want to put that blog together, there's no pressure, but like, we will make sure we send out in our newsletter. We let our girls know, and that way we direct them to. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was incredible. You guys are awesome. And yeah, just let me know if you ever want to do a part two. I'm always down. This is my favorite easiest. Like it doesn't feel like work conversation to have. So why not keep having it? Agreed. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm yeah. This topic all the time. I'd be down for sure. Yes. Yay. Awesome. Well, cool. you, have, you have an awesome rest of your day. We'll be in touch um, over the next couple of weeks. Whenever you get that done, send your send cool. a picture along and we'll make sure um, that we get it out there. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy Thank your day. You. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Badass Podcast. If you could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we would be so grateful because you have no idea how much that helps us grow our podcast. Yeah, and as an incentive and a little bonus, we're going to be doing a monthly giveaway and it's going to be kind of a mix of everything that we have to offer. So one month it could be Royally Fit Online, joining our community. It could be from the Badass Boutique or maybe even just some like free recipes and like a coaching call or something with us. We will figure it out month by month as we go. So yeah, please go over iTunes, podcast app, leave us a five-star review. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Spare Room Studios.